0: another stream of Not D&D. This is the show where we talk about tabletop RPGs that are not Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, I'm Jessica, I'm the host, and this week I'm very, very excited uh, to invite our guest along. Uh, so here we have Epidiah, who I will let introduce himself.
1: Hello, um, I'm Epidiah, you can call me Epi. Uh, I am um, a game designer. Uh, the most famous game that I've been involved in is Dread, which is what we're largely here to talk about.
0: Yes, yes, 100%. Um,
1: Yeah, and I've been doing that for a long time. Uh,
0: (laughs) A long long time, a few months at least, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Definitely a few months. <laughs> okay, that's great. Uh, yeah, well, so as Effie said, uh, so today we're going to be talking about Dread. Last week we were talking about the awfully cheerful engine. Um, and as we can tell, this is also a very happy, lighthearted sort of game. Is that is that correct?
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's. Uh... <laughs> um... I mean it could be but uh generally speaking no no <laughs> <Not at all. laughs> by the
0: blood on the front of the cover I'm yeah. guessing it's, it's, it's a little <laughs> bit not perhaps that um but yeah so we're going to be discussing dread today so hello to everybody coming back I can see uh, some of you that came last week have come back which is excellent so thank you for doing that we didn't scare you away um so what we're going to oh yes yeah, so we've had someone that's played the game that confirms it's very calming and relaxing and it's not at all <laughs> stressful yeah, yeah uh so uh, so yeah so we'll get into the game a bit later but before we start uh, we'll just have a little chat about you uh, and your history of RPGs like personally and professionally uh, we have people popping in saying hello oh, hey. uh, as well so some people you might recognize there some people that may be guests on upcoming shows perhaps yeah. <laughs> uh, but yes hello uh, to everybody there if you have any questions whilst we're going through please jump in and ask I'll pop your question up on the screen and uh, so it's meant to just be a casual kind of hour for us to kind of ask any questions and all nerd about about our RPGs that we like um so uh I think what I'm going to come in and say uh is when did you first start playing role-playing games what was the first game you played and how long yeah. you been playing games
1: so um the f- okay so it's that's a tough question because it depends on how you define play right um, okay because what happened was in uh I'm, okay I'm going to say like Around eighty five, nineteen eighty five or so, uh, okay. I was like twelve or thirteen years old, and okay. uh, my family moved. We used to live in Ohio. Uh, mm-hmm. We moved to Wisconsin, um, and then we uh, I, we kind of drove uh, like so. I I had like a bunch of friends in Ohio. We were, we grew up together. We all lived in the same neighborhood and and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And then I went to Wisconsin and uh, came back like a year later to visit them. And yeah. when those things happen, like, everything changes. It's like, <laughs> you, you know, I mean, we're – it's also at an age where everybody also changes a lot at yeah, different rates you, and whatnot. You, you go
0: away for the summer and reinvent yourself. You come come back with a cool house, something different. Yeah. 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 <laughs>
1: yeah. And uh, when I came back, a friend of mine, um, uh, my friend Matt, who had uh, – he was the, the only one of my friends who had an older brother. Like, all, almost – Every one right. of my friends were roughly the same age as mine and the eldest okay. in their family. And so, because he had an older brother, he had access to heavy metal, you know, like uh, Iron Maiden and Black Sabbath and, you know, all He's that. He like and the like,
0: stereotypical cool older brother. Yeah, exactly, that, like... like, yeah. <laughs> okay. uh,
1: and so he, his older brother had gotten a hold of the TSR's old Conan uh, role-playing game. Oh, and okay. I ju- I remember very vividly being in another friend's basement. And and my friend Brett, Matt bringing that over, and and we pull the books out and like, tried to figure out what was going on with the game and making characters and just, I uh, just absolutely falling in love with that process of just like dreaming about the adventures that we were going to have. As I don't, I have no idea what character I made. I don't even off the top of my head know how that system works because uh, I never actually owned it. We just made characters, yeah. but. Um, at that point, like we only had time to make characters, and you know, because we were just there for visiting for the weekend or whatever, and sure. uh, so we we're driving back to Wisconsin, which is like a day long drive, and we're Goodness. in this this van, and uh, I'm in the back of the van, and I just have to have this this experience that's role playing that I've heard about now, that I've kind of tasted but didn't actually. We never really role played. Uh, so I invented a game right then and there, and forced my brother to play it with me.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, in the car?
1: Yeah, in the car. So, like <laughs> on the trip back uh, to Wisconsin, I would make up like you know he was a knight going through some adventures in some medieval uh, fantasy scape. I don't know how it all worked. I do know that it was a lot of. I told him I was thinking of a number between one and ten, and he'd have to guess the number, which is an incredibly unfair system, but. It's, it's was open to
0: exploitation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. So you've been designing games almost before you've been playing them, yeah. it sounds like, really.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, a lot of my childhood was around, you know, okay, I'm old, before the internet and all that. and Before uh, the internet? Uh, yes. <laughs> me
0: too. I was, I was also alive before
1: the internet. <laughs> or I, before the World Wide Web. Um, but well, yeah. the access to information was, was what it's just kind of limited. Like I couldn't just go somewhere and search it out. So Mm -hmm. like if you wanted to get role-playing games from the local library, you could get there's Dungeons and Dragons. They had the advanced Dungeons and Dragons books at the local library, but like those would be on hold for months before you can, and you would end up with like the monster manual. And that's it. And so. Oh,
0: that's so good on its own. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: Right. Like, and so you would spend time trying to figure out like, what what does this mean? How do we make that work? And so you had to invent a game around these little bits that you managed to collect. I know the first game I bought was the D&D expert set, because at that point I was like, I know how to, I'm, I don't need a basic set. I know how to roll. I'm but, an
0: expert. I yeah, think exactly. very much. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> and I, we had no idea. I'd like, I didn't even know how to read foresighted die. Like it came with the dice and we, we just sat there staring at that little pyramid going, what, what am I supposed to, I, I think the thing I eventually figured out is that if yeah. I picked up after rolling, it, if I picked the die up and I looked at the numbers on the bottom, the missing number was the number you rolled, which is, the the most ridiculous way to read a four-sided die it's
0: it's not wrong
1: no no but it's (laughs) yeah yeah
0: (laughs) i mean i'm still like that at the moment as well sometimes you get some dice and they're like beautifully intricately made and you can't actually read the numbers on it so uh, yeah yeah. so you're you're not alone in that experience okay amazing so so you've been playing games your whole life, it sounds like it's been a hobby from a really early age. Yeah. When did you, um, start working professionally in the games industry and yeah. Doing it for your job.
1: Yeah. So, uh, professional is a loaded term, Um, (laughs) but let's, okay. So somewhere, uh, in the late nineties, uh, I was, uh, roommates with my friend, Nat Barmore, who is also a co-designer on dread and, uh, I was finishing like the seventh or eighth year of a four-year degree. Uh, I had a um, li- little little bit of trouble with college at the time, but I was I was making my way through at that point. Um, and uh, I had undergone like a, um, a a lapse in judgment where I thought I'd be really serious and not do role playing games. Like I thought oh, okay. that 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 was a very
0: uh, yeah yeah you're going to be an adult and not play pretend yeah
1: yeah exactly and um and part of that was because i at at the time the degree i was pursuing was a a writing degree with an emphasis or sorry an english degree with an emphasis in creative writing and the whole department was very like like you you couldn't you couldn't really get any classes in any like genre writing or anything like that it was it was very like lit fic and they they really kind of kind of pushed it and promoted that, which is, you know, fine. If that's the thing you want to do. And I convinced myself that this is what I was going to be. I was going to be okay. very serious, very. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, uh, but I still enjoyed role-playing games and I still like, couldn't stop messing with them. I couldn't stop playing with the mechanics and whatnot. Sure. And uh, at the time, cause Nat was really into role-playing games and it was just kind of a, like, it was a great atmosphere because we were, just had a, a an apartment full of people that just loved playing with the mechanics of it. Like it, it, it was just like a nice community to have to experiment yeah. with things. And um, at one point, you get into these like uh, high Newton arguments about like wh- what what's missing in the role playing game industry or what needs to be fixed about the role. You know none of. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I look back on it and with a little a little bit of embarrassment and a little bit of like, well, I've I've learned my lessons there, but like <laughs> so we would say things like, you know, oh the problem with role playing games is there's too many numbers. We gotta have uh no and and that's sort of order. I, or-
0: I kinda of wouldn't disagree with you though, because like I yeah. mean I've I'm quite dyslexic and bad with numbers. So that's the thing that's really hard yeah. about role-playing games for me. <laughs> so getting rid of the numbers, I'm, I'm already on board and not not even cringing at what you said. Carry on. <laughs>
1: yeah, well, uh, I mean, that's sort of the origin of Dread because we were yeah. like, well, if you're going to get rid of numbers, if you're going to throw numbers out entirely, w- what are you going to use instead? Um, around the same time, uh, Fudge, which you may be familiar with, or Fate is the, uh, yeah. the more update. Um, yeah but Fates sort of direct uh, ancestor fudge was kind of popular on the internet. And that was a lot of like, let's get rid of the numbers. We'll use adjectives instead of um, yes. numbers. And it was it worked, you know, we had fun. We played around with that, uh, but you were still counting. You know, <laughs> you were, yeah, I
0: was just getting my dice collection out. Yeah. So people that don't know the fate dice, they have symbols on as uh, so they have plus and minus and my cool little Grimm's gang there, one of mine oh, nice. as well. Uh, but yeah, so no numbers, but you still have to add up how many pluses right. and minuses you get to get your your number, mm-hmm. um, just for people that don't know. And that may be a game we're having someone on later in the series to oh, talk to them nice. about. Nice.
1: We'll, come back. Yeah. we'll
0: come back to that. We're not talking about that today. We're talking about Dread today. So yes. anyway, as you were saying, you're thinking about system, n- yeah. less numbers.
1: Yeah, so we were trying to find a way to avoid that, and Jenga came up. And at the time, I don't even think we had a Jenga on hand. We had to like go to a thrift store to buy one, um, but- an,
0: an unbranded one called like, y- would toy Full high? Or yeah, something.
1: yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Jumbling blocks. Um, yeah. And uh, so yeah, uh, Jenga seemed like a way to get around that, to not have um, numbers and, and uh, like even, I th- originally we didn't even, I think there were like, five or 15 minutes where it wasn't a horror game. I think there was like this moment in the beginning where it's like, Oh, we'll use Jenga to do like a a noir or something like that. And then it, it immediately clicked that it would work as a horror game. And uh, that's where we went with it. Um, Yes. Turns out there are a lot of numbers behind the scenes when you're doing a Jenga game though. Like that's
0: really,
1: you just have to do a lot of, we had, we did a lot of trials of, like how long it takes to pull and or and how many you would pull in a certain amount of time and how many you would have to pull before That's it towers. Uh, but yeah, yeah.
0: That that sounds like a lot of playtesting.
1: There was there was a lot in the beginning, like a, yeah. a quite a bit. Um we p- played it a lot amongst ourselves and then uh yeah. in two thousand in one, I think we we mm-hmm printed up like a little pamphlet version of it uh and i think maybe six people in the whole world that aren't me have a copy um but we handed it out at, at gen con and and we went to like local conventions all the time and uh and just just played it nonstop. like we would run five or six games uh a piece at these conventions trying to uh show people what before we even had a product to sell it was uh but i mean like part of part of that was the way to do it yeah it was just the fun of it yeah
0: so when you went to these conventions did it change a lot over playtesting, or what did people do wild things you didn't expect or
1: yeah i mean there was that like the in the beginning the um I, i nowadays i have an understanding of my process which is often to when I design a game, I often splash out. I do like a lot for the game, and then as I start thinking about it and looking at it, I just start cutting things away until I get it as small and lean as I can, or yeah. as small and lean as I want it to be. And in the beginning, the, okay, the f- first playtest of Dread, um, the okay, in I should talk about just in case people haven't heard of Dread. I often feel like I've, I'm. Uh, Talking to a crowd that has heard of Dread, I should explain. In Dread, in order to avoid numbers, uh, you don't have like ability scores or skills or anything like that. You there's to make a character, you yeah. answer a series of of probing questions about that character.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And when we were designing that part of the system, uh, we came up with I I think there's like there was like a list of a hundred questions. And naively, we thought, oh, you'll just take this and to make your character, you'll just answer all 100 questions. So and for
0: character gen, you were yeah, originally yeah. going to sit here and I was all yeah. right,
1: uh, okay. Okay, but for that's- a, a one th-
0: shot as yeah. well? This <laughs> that's isn't a even thing. a campaign.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's the <laughs> thing that, that did not survive first contact, right? Like that just didn't, uh, we threw that out right away. We uh, We actually, what we did for that first game is, immediately people were just like, I'm just going to answer these. And so we just kind of went through and chose the ones we wanted to answer. And that became the, have the, the host of the game um, present you with unique questions for, for each of your yeah. characters. Um, which is the thing that I I, I have regretted over the years. I, oh, it's really? perfectly fine if you don't play it but often, but if you play it thousands of times like I have and you... Writing those many que- that many questions for characters at, at at some point, you just you just get into, into exhausted by it, right? Like you you've set this like creative yeah. thing that you have to just do over and over.
0: It's it's so open ended, I guess, as well. But I, yeah. that's one of the things I liked about it is you can, um, as the GM, ask questions that kind of tilt your characters towards a reason for being there.
1: Yeah, it's. So, I mean, yeah. I love the the system. I just. I hated the work it created for me in, specifically, like as the oh, yeah. person that in the beginning had to run all of the games. But um, oh, yeah. I mean, now that other people are doing it, it's fine. I, it,
0: other other people are running the games. So yeah, we have yeah. a lot of praise for it here. So we have some people here that have played and, and know the game as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but for people that have not played the game, uh, we've we we've, we've talked around kind of the development and things, yeah. but um, let's actually talk about the beautiful book here and how, how it kind of works. So um, with char- let's start with kind of character creation because we briefly started talking about that. So how do you create a character uh, in Dread?
1: Right, so uh, you, generally speaking, your host, which is the name that we give the the GM, uh, the game master, uh, the host is going to give you a series of questions. By tradition, it's like 13 questions and the 13th one is always, what is your name? Uh, but you it know, doesn't have to follow that pattern. Uh, and these questions are things that um, they, they run the gamut. Like some of them are just like, what do you have in your pockets right now? Uh, and some mm-hmm. of them are like, what's the worst thing you've ever done to a loved one? <laughs> so you, you kind of like. <laughs>
0: that escalated a lot. Yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. Questions. Yeah.
1: Um, and they're very specifically they're for your character, not for you. Uh, yeah. So you don't have to answer that. Um, you could just imagine <laughs> what your character did.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, character not personally.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, And then that's it. Like you fill in those questions often Mm -hmm. on your own. Uh, You can share them with the group. Dread, uh, as it stands, is very, um, it's uh, apathetic between whether or not you should keep secrets. Uh, I, when I run it, I I don't mind people. I actually think it's better if people don't keep secrets. I find that that creates a lot of really good tension because people will work, towards it. Like if you say
0: yeah, my character
1: secretly hates your character and would like to see you dead, then you, we could work together to create situations where that irony, is informed you know the whole audience is informed by that irony I, and i
0: mean yeah i think the same as well it, it depends on the table because you've got to trust that somebody wants to to play out the story and is yeah. trying to win because yeah. this is very much one of those games i feel like where you're telling a group story together you're not trying to win the adventure you're not trying to necessarily defeat the the big bag thing you're trying yeah. to play out this story and so yeah i mean my table loves doing that because if if we know that oh well, my character doesn't know that they shouldn't eat these things. So maybe I do do this or, you know, that's, and that's part of the fun and the shared group tension of it as well. So I'd agree with that as well. Um yeah. Speaking of uh questions. So um for, uh so of those in the book, which character creation questions do you, did you like the most or what is the weirdest one?
1: Oh, <laughs> okay. All right. Um I don't know if I can remember all the ones in the book. There's, uh, there are a lot in the book, like yeah. uh, along the bottom of the book, because we knew that this would be a difficult, or not a difficult, but like a big ask for people. We mm-hmm. lined the bottom of the book with uh, a running stream of character, possible character questions. So you can yeah, kind of just yeah. Yeah, flip to a random page and pick yeah. one if you want. Um, but uh, also <laughs> I think my favorites, I, I'm going to cheat here. Uh, I think my favorites are w- when I sign books, uh, i write a specific character a question for people uh Amazing. like it like i invent a like see this is another one where i created the like i've i've made this creative prompt for myself that that's fun until i have to do it many many times over <laughs> but um yeah and uh i've always enjoyed seeing people's reactions to those that, like yeah. you know
0: i think that is really cool yeah it's like to to yeah that would be a cool thing to own. I'm kind of like, when? Are you, which conventions are you going to next, where I can bring my book? <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, I think like the ones that really get me. Uh, I don't know if they end like what ones are in the book, but I can I can remember moments where I'm running the game, mm-hmm. and I can see people stumble upon the question. Like um, we ran one that was set in Victorian England or whatever, and mm-hmm. classic. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh and one of the characters we just you in order to do them at conventions, we were like, okay, this character is a a, a little pickpocket, right? And that's all you really know. You fill it out. You yeah, know, we yeah, give sure. give you a little taste of it so you know what you're deciding, which character mm-hmm. you're picking. And one of them was you're a psychic, uh that the that you know the the queen herself is has has uh has consulted with. And uh and somebody was like, yeah, absolutely. I'm hand that over to them. <laughs> and I think the third question is, who else knows you're a fraud? And that moment, just watching that kind of go over somebody, you know, those are my favorite. It's just when I get to yeah. witness the the thing where somebody's like, oh, oh, I see. And and in that in particular, that uh player who kept doing polls, this is, I mean, you were asking before about like, do people do think like when we we're play testing, do people do think wild things or whatever? This yeah, yeah. Just, I think was after the book came out, but I, I can't be, it was around the same time. But mm-hmm. that player, in order to convince the other characters that they were psychic, they were making polls from the tower that meant nothing. They would just like consult me and say, uh, <laughs> like, I'm gonna try That's and so predict funny. the future and pull a block and then we'd walk off somewhere as if I'm telling them the future and then they come, but I wouldn't tell them anything because they're not psychic and they come <laughs> back and they would tell the future to everyone and everyone believed them because they made a poll to make it happen. And, uh, it was good. Uh, Those that was- characters
0: that that's a great character. And I had the reverse thing with a character I played once where uh she was a psychic, but she and everyone believed she was like a phony, not real one, but actually oh, yeah. was. But all the players in the game actually thought I was playing it that way as well. So they're like, Yeah, sure, Jess. And I'm like, Well, i told you what's gonna happen. They're like, okay. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. "I actually have. <laughs> um, but that's always fun as well. Um That's good. Okay, great. That's good. So that's kind of a, a favorite question. And a follow-up is uh what's the best answer you've ever gotten response? So would would that answer be the one about the being a fraud or
1: well I mean that's a good, well, another great one I had mm-hmm. uh, I'm trying to remember exactly what the question was i I remember sometimes uh when you play at conventions, you don't know what you're gonna get you know who's gonna be at the table or what's what's uh what the situation's gonna be and I remember uh this rather large and intimidating fellow sat down at the table mm-hmm. he was wearing um a uh like a wrestling one piece kind of thing like with the one strap i here that like and that was it like just like like he just got out of the ring
0: oh like like tarzan or something yeah yeah,
1: yeah. and
0: <laughs> okay
1: uh, and uh he sat down to play and uh i handed him a question and we were passing out the questionnaires and i handed him the question and i remember specifically the character that he had uh glommed onto was was one with a much darker side, like it, like was uh, a character that was prone to violence and whatnot. And he just started reading them, and he was like, "Would these pertain to my real life?" <laughs> and I was like, "No, no." There goes I'm going to fill fill them out like they're real. And uh, it oh was, boy, <laughs> it was an absolutely terrifying experience for me as the one running the game. Uh, we had a lot of fun. We enjoyed it. And then I think the next day, he came to the next. Dread game we had, and I was like, "Oh no, this is like I was tensing up again." Nothing untoward happened. Nothing like he—he was—he was great to have, but it just mm-hmm. had that sort of intimidating energy. But that <laughs> the game we were running the next day was one based on Watership Down.
0: So oh my you were, gosh!
1: You were playing rabbits, and I was like, is "This is gonna—you're gonna be a rabbit!" And he ate that up. He just He, loved I, <laughs> he just loved it. He just loved it. So. Um
0: a ship down! Oh God, yeah, I hadn't even thought of doing that, but of course yeah. that works. With what a I mean, traumatic story yeah. as well. Anyway, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, that's it would, awesome. Yeah,
1: when you're a rabbit. Everything, everything is your is a predator, right? Like everything.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm just remembering being like traumatized by that as a child as well. So that, that was like a that's a children's like TV show that was sold in that way, It was suitable for kids to watch, and I watched it as an adult, and I was like. I don't know if this is all right to show to small kids. Like, is this? Uh, but anyway, okay, awesome. So, so that's uh, so character generation. You have yeah. these questions uh, that you write, and that's kind of kind of how, how you build your character there. Um, so, looking at other parts of the rules, where where else should we go? For we're looking at the rules of, of
1: right. Dread. So, uh, I guess the thing that the Dread's known for is that um, in order to do anything in the game, you have a Jenga tower. Like yeah, and uh you set that out on the table, and um whenever you're doing something that is in question, like uh, basically uh whenever you're doing something that you would have to roll for in any other game, right like yeah. that, so um, like I'm
0: trying to quietly pull open this door and see what's behind it,
1: yeah, yeah, then you have to pull a block like you would normally for Jenga using one hand at a time and. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, you know, you can't pull one off the very top. You have to pull it from below the com- top complete level. You pull it out and you put it on top. And if you do that, you succeed and everything's fine and you're doing all right. Yeah. You can choose not to pull that block and you can fail. And uh, so you say, I don't want to make that pull. So you fail to open that door and, mm-hmm. or you fail to open the door quietly yeah. and you make a, a big loud noise. And then the consequences of that, can be whatever the host wants to make those consequences Mm. up to, but not including removing your character from the game, right? You can't, you can't die because of that. You can't, but you could like you, as you're trying to pull open the door quietly, there's a, you know, a a very tall man on the other side in a dirty butcher's apron who turns around and stares right into at you, you know, and then starts charging you. Like that, that can be a thing.
0: A negative consequence. Yeah, 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 yeah. a negative
1: consequence. So, um, so you can't die. Well, not much of a horror game, right? Except uh, anytime, for whatever reason, that tower falls over, whoever's responsible for it, their character dies in whatever appropriate way there is right then and there. Uh, okay. And uh, so, or is, is somehow, like, driven into a catatonic state or somehow removed from the game. Yeah. Like, somehow, put yeah. In a, you know, depending on uh, the type of horror that you're trying to tell there. And, like, when I say for whatever reason, I mean for whatever reason, like, it has happened where people have gotten up to get a soda and just hip-checked the table and
0: And that counts
1: it counts those are the rules like you have to like uh when we run games at conventions it is you everyone just starts sitting further and further from the table as it goes um and yep so that's that's the central mechanic of the game that is the Mm -hmm. the thing that just keeps happening over and over again you you The whole table kind of comes to a standstill. You're just you're just opening a door, right? You're just opening a door. You're just trying to do it quietly, but you because you're pulling from that thing, and that everyone's using the same Jenga tower. So, like, if you succeed, it's a you know hard
0: everyone else. Yeah, yeah. yeah. People (laughs) are
1: worried about like what the results are going to be and who's going to have to pull next, and Mm. um, so everyone just stops. They hold their breath. They watch what you do. And uh, yeah, it's a great way to draw attention to the little moments that really make a uh, uh, horror story, yeah. you know, sparkle. Like sparkle—that's the wrong word. Electric. I don't yeah. know what. Yeah.
0: But yeah, no, I know what you mean. Yeah. Create that that tension in the air, and it yeah. definitely, um, it definitely does. Because I remember when I was first playing it, my friends like, "Oh, this, this new game we found is really cool. It's got a Jenga tower. I was like, oh, "Okay," and then like that wouldn't be stressful, but like you get so into it when someone says, remove this block and don't let it drop. You're like, it it, it gets, it really is like does build the tension more than, than you would think. Um, So have you, have you ever had anyone like have a really, really early character death? So if you're like, if you're sitting down to do like four or five hour session.
1: Yeah. And, um, you know, that goes a number of different ways. So uh, over the years I've developed, um, in the book, okay, let me go back. I, I believe in okay. the Dread book they say uh, there's rules for basically a dead character walking, right? Like it goes down and then you're like, okay, there's no reason why we should shunt you out of the game at this moment. Your character is alive. You you can't make pulls, but you can still do things and be your character. And, and I'm just when the moment's right, when the killer strikes or when, you know, that... Uh, it's going to bring you know it, you'll that's that'll be it, and usually you'll get the player's buy-in for that. Like the player will yeah. then be like, oh well, now I get to play the the jerk that you know is going to be the first person that's going to die in in a horror movie, or I get to be I get to do the dangerous things, um, or just make sure everyone's trying to protect me because quite often yeah. people do try and protect that that dead person walking. Yeah, and um, so that's. And that's really uh, effective and it's a lot of fun. I've over yeah. the years I have a few other uh, I've I had quite a few games where it made sense to have people play as ghosts uh, so yeah. they do die and then they're still present and, and they're doing things. I've had like at a convention I had somebody uh, knock the tower over uh, mm-hmm. because the dealer's room was closing and they wanted to go buy a copy of the game. <laughs> which
0: I, oh, wow. I consider okay.
1: the greatest sale I've ever made in my entire life. was. <laughs> I will
0: kill myself to buy yeah, this exactly. book. It's worth dying for. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> and um, in, I should point out that like when you deliberately knock the tower over, when, when it's obvious that you do so uh, and let people know that you're doing it on purpose, then your character not only, your character still perishes or somehow is removed from the game, but that's yeah. the blaze of glory. That's the, the moment where you run in and you spectacularly succeed at doing something to help everyone else out uh, at, as you go out. So that's a, um, a
0: big self-sacrifice. Here. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: It's
0: like like Gandalf and Lord of the Rings letting himself go. You know, yeah, to fight <laughs> the <bell rock. laughs> just taking it to fantasy genre to, 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 uh, but of course this, this system can do any kind of setting and things, yeah. which is, is, is the great thing about it. Okay. So that's kind of the the Jenga mechanics that we're all kind of, all kind of know about. So what are there any other mechanics or things that would be good to cover about the game or,
1: uh, I mean, that's the is, thing about the simplicity it? Of it. I think we got it all. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, there's, I mean, it's a, it's not a a small book. It's it's got quite yeah, a few it's pages quite, in there. Th- yeah, yeah. Um, most of that is just advice on how to run a horror game, uh, mm-hmm. how to set the mood, um, and uh, what to do to to sort of like build the tension and and whatnot. And uh, but yeah, the the rules themselves fit on the front and back of uh, eight and a half by eleven sheet I of paper, bet. or so- I'm sorry, an A four sheet of paper with that oh there paper. you go yeah okay
0: <laughs> yeah okay no, so this th- that would make it like a really good game to invite people that aren't like gamers or haven't done role-playing games yeah. then because it's it's, it's it's really simple and also most people know what a, a jenga tower is as well so
1: yeah that's i'm that, that was the thing that really surprised me early on is how many people uh after it kind of got out there people would come up to me and be like you, you were my first role-playing game and i That was not a thing I set out to do. I was very happy that it happened. It was really
0: cool, though. Yeah, yeah,
1: it was very pleasing to hear.
0: I think as gamers, we're always trying to, like, invite new people into the hobby Mm -hmm. as well. So we're like, we found this great thing. Come, come see. Uh, Which is entirely what this show is, (laughs) Uh, if you cannot tell. Um, So speaking of Jenga Tower, um, I've always played this game in person, but someone's mentioned about online how do you yeah. how do you is that just a limitation or have you seen people do kind of workarounds for that or there's
1: so there's some workarounds i i occasionally it comes up on twitter and i um share some threads uh of people that have done some things i've seen some interesting uh um w- one workaround i saw i i couldn't explain to you exactly how it worked but it had a um a spinner right like a, a um okay like a Wheel of Fortune kind of thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, roulette kind of thing or whatever. Yeah. And uh, the spinner had uh, a bunch of numbers on it, and then like one skull, which meant that was the one that you didn't want to get. And then mm-hmm. every time it was spun, they rolled so that the spinner was uh, on a web page, so everybody could like see it or whatever. And you would spin it, and then we'd go around. And the fact that it was a spinner and not just dice. Meant it take it took longer, and you kind of got that tension in there yeah, because from it's the t- slowing down. T- t- yeah,
0: yeah, okay. Uh,
1: and then every time it didn't hit the skull, you randomly rolled and added more skulls to that spinner, so that it got more and more dangerous as the the. I thought that was a pretty clever way. Yeah. Like, I don't know if I have uh, any links to that. Actual spinner on hand, and I I apologize for that. That's fine. Yeah, like there isn't uh, the there's yeah, it's not really
0: a substitute for it in the same way. I think that's a really clever way. So, what you're looking for is something to kind of a thing you can do which will have a low chance of like it failing, but in a way that builds tension. So, it's not just rolling a dice or something like that, it's got to be something slow that you see or something you have to do and yeah. like
1: everyone needs to be able to witness it if it's something that you just do on that just you and the GM are seeing or something like that then it's not um it's not drawing everyone's attention
0: yeah it's got to be the group experience that's yeah. what makes it so fun everyone's staring be like oh my gosh don't drop it or like oh yeah. gosh, please drop it because then like it won't be like so difficult when it's my <laughs> turn to do something I remember sitting there one time willing the person in front of me to fail just because I knew that next in the story like my thing was going to come up and I was going to have to do a thing and they're like they're going to get me to pull a brick and it's going to be terrible um so yeah definitely about the, the the group thing for that um so Dread is you, you've done other games as well which we will kind of mm-hmm. uh would talk about uh but we're talking about dread and i think it's one of your well-known games and i discovered it by watching the geek and sundry episode with will wheaton uh which this person did as well so there was like there's like over a million people that have seen that video yeah. did that yeah. change things with the game and the business oh, when that happened?
1: not yeah uh, <laughs> yes very much so in
0: the way that this episode will as well
1: yes i'm, I'm <laughs> well I'm, I'm counting on it like it, it better yeah um, yeah, no, it was, it was, uh, it was a big boon for us. Um, I was super excited to hear about it. So yeah, there were, um, there was that. And then, uh, in that game, um, uh, uh, one of, one of the gentlemen in that game, well, oh, I'm blanking on his name and really, Ivan, man okay anyways he then went yep. off and and ran some and then did like uh another uh two series of it with geek and sundry like highly produced just absolutely gorgeous um yes ivan van norman thank you so you're on the internet
0: someone will appear and correct you you know slightly wrong
1: i had his name in my head and i thought it, for some reason I couldn't believe that was right. I didn't want to get it wrong. And then yeah, I, I overcorrected it myself. Yeah,
0: that's fine. Um, nice
1: and so he ran these uh, just just really polished, like, uh, like they, they were all sitting around uh, a campfire in costume with the set. And they had a giant Jenga that they were using. And... Um, Other, like, physical activities that they did that were along the same lines as Jenga. Like, they had, like, a key that was hidden in a box full of bugs and things like that. Good good stuff. And uh, that also was, like, hugely popular and uh, got... uh, Like, there are people out there with dread tattoos now because of these things. Really? And and that, like...
0: That's wild. I I
1: couldn't... You know, like, that was not... uh, I couldn't, I still haven't come to terms with that. <laughs> like, that's yeah. great. I mean, I I think it's it's awesome, but it, it was just like, whoa, I uh, didn't expect any of this to happen, so. That's um,
0: amazing. And you also won, it's an award-winning game as well, the yes. 2006 Any Award for Innovation as well. Yes. So, um, so if this is selling it to you, if you if people wanted to grab a copy, you can do so at this link here. I believe that is the correct mm-hmm. link there. Um, is it still in? Will people find it at their local game store as well, or is it an online?
1: Oh uh, you, kind of you should be. I mean, it depends on the game store. Uh, on oh, no, all gonna, good game stores. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> um, okay. Awesome. The, I think that uh, it also depends on supply chain problems and whatnot. Yeah. I don't know the current state. I know because one of the things that uh, the, the only real unfortunate thing about the um, when uh, Will Wheaton did it is that he's he had said that it was out of print. And it was not. It's never been out of print any more than like between a print run or something like that. Yeah, yeah. But, like it, uh, It's always been in print. We've always had it available at that site and, and we can send it to the... Uh, but like it may actually be like currently we might be out of the supply of books I'm not entirely sure because <laughs> uh, I don't I don't uh, check on that side of the business that often um, but uh, but you
0: can find the information there and yeah. definitely grab a PDF if nothing else yeah exactly okay excellent so I'll just keep that up on there um, so I mean, if anyone has any other questions about Dread, we may start to move on to other bits and pieces. So please get your questions in now. Um, so, but I will move on to and move on to a different question. So, like I was saying, everybody asks you about Dread because it's a really well-known one. Uh, but which which other games that you've done do you want to kind of talk about while we're here?
1: Well, thank you, Kevin. <laughs> uh, who this is. Uh, Kevin called, uh, kind of put Dread on the map. Uh, this is a thing I should, I mean, I'm going to talk about my other games, but I just want to yeah. like thank him for this on uh, Yen World uh, way back when, uh, before it won the award, like Dread came out uh, in, at Gen Con. It was like August and like maybe six months later, uh, it sh- there was a thread that showed up that Kevin started on on uh, Yen World that, just kept going and kept going and just drove so many of my sales and just had so many people like playing the game and enjoying it and sharing pictures. And it was like early on when you put out a game uh, and it's, it's exciting when you're at the convention selling the game. And then afterwards it's crickets for a long time. (laughs) And I like, and that's, That's the way it was, but it's still kind of that way with Kickstarters too. Like when the Kickstarter is going, it's super exciting. And then when it's over, then there's, there's nothing there. And this thread came at just the right time to like, to to just bolster my spirits and have it keep going so I can make other games. So thank you, Kevin. That's what I'm going to say there. Uh, (laughs) And thank you for the question. Um, Yeah, I've done uh, quite a few games. Um, So the, the next big one that I've done, uh, <laughs> yes, I, I believe that too. Um, the next big one uh, or bigger name one I did uh, is called Swords Without Master. It's a sword and sorcery game uh, that sort of takes the approach of um, it It doesn't worry so much about whether or not your character is capable of doing something. It just assumes that your character is And it's Mm -hmm. worried about the tone in which your character does something. So when you roll the dice, sometimes the dice will tell you that you're unable to do it. But most of the time what the dice are telling you is whether you're doing it in a very jovial tone or a very glum tone. And that's how that game plays. That's that's that game in a nutshell. And Mm -hmm. um, that came out in uh, Worlds Without Master issue three. So Worlds Without Master is a sword and sorcery, uh, is Z. that the,
0: the image I have here as well?
1: Yeah, if you want to share that, that's. I um, absolutely
0: will. Here we go. Yes.
1: So this is the cover to Worlds Without Master issue, I'm going to say 10. I think it's issue 10. It and says
0: issue 10, I think, down at the bottom, yeah. November 2015. Yeah.
1: And uh, in that issue, there is a sword and sorcery uh, adventure for Dread, uh, which is why I shared it, um, mm-hmm. called The Dread Age of Duke Voku. And it's sort of a combination between dread and uh, sort of powered by apocalypse. If, if, if you're familiar with that, if the yeah. audience is um, in that one, there's lots of neat little, instead of being like, you could do whatever you want and then ask the, you know, the host, if you're going to have to make a pull or something like that, the game is sort of like, here are the things you can do. Here are the moves you can do. And here's what pulling means for each of those moves. And so I, as a game designer, I get to do fun things like uh, one of the moves is if you do violence upon the world, like if you're going to try and beat something up or, um, you know, take on an army or something like that. If you do, if you do violence uh, you commit yourself to it, you're going to make the polls for it, but then you have to, before you do that, you ask the host, am I just? And if you're not, if the host says you're not just, then instead of pulling the block out and putting it on top, you're only allowed to push the block out and leave it where it lays. So you can't set it back on top and, and put it back into the tower. And so if you keep doing unjust violence on the world, uh, the tower just becomes more and more skeletal because it and it just has all these blocks lying around yeah. as uh, memories or uh, reminders of, of the sins that you've committed. Of your, your, of
0: your failing on your morality. Yeah. Wow <laughs> what a vi- what an awful visual metaphor um, I've yeah. put the website up there world to that master, so if people are interested in checking more about that of that yeah. out um if you go to the website there that would be the best place uh, to kind of get that um you- see so you did send me before we do I do a podcast I ask guests to send me like links to stuff they're doing and like pictures mm-hmm. and stuff, and one of them you also sent was this <laughs> uh so would you like to talk about that? <laughs>
1: excuse me uh. Yeah, well, I, I I had accidentally sent this. Well, I shouldn't. This sent
0: to me an error.
1: I I loaded it up uh, by accident, realized what I had, and sent it anyways uh, okay. because this is a, a sign. I think I was in Canada at the time, but it's a you know it's a sign trying to to tell uh, drivers to slow down because there are kids in the neighborhood. It's a really grim sign when you think about it that way. Uh, yeah, 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 exactly. (laughs) And, uh, but what I loved about it is that it just, I, I kind of wanted that sign for whenever I like run dread at a convention. Right. Like, especially when they put you in a room or like Mm -hmm. in a hallway where people are kind of rushing by or whatever, just to put that up and just be like, Hey, we're playing dread here. You want to just slow down. You might knock this tower over.
0: Oh, that's that's really good. Yeah. I, I like it. That's great. But I it needed explanation because it came yeah. through in the files today <laughs> and before us turned, I was like, "Is this okay?" <laughs> I mean, I um,
1: I just love that they used our our uh, iconography. Our, our our I can't say trademark because we didn't actually trademark it, but like, yeah, our image. It, our yeah, uh,
0: it feels very on brand for Doug. yeah. 100%. Yeah. Uh, and we are going to move on to talk about um, kind of creating tension in your horror games and things like that. But I did want to just talk about one more thing, which we mentioned before. Yes. Um, which was was this map we talked about. So if you could explain what this is um, and how it's linked to Dread.
1: So, uh... Over a decade ago, I I really don't know how time passes now, so I don't remember how long ago this was. I mean, we've
0: all been through a pandemic. None of us know how time passes anymore.
1: (laughs) none of of us know. Not long after Dread, though, like probably around 2010. um, My wife, Emily Careboss, who's also a game designer, uh, Mm -hmm. she did the Romance Trilogy. Um, We worked together on this game called Dread House, which is a uh, game that we aimed at Uh, I think the, our, our tagline is it's, uh, a game for scared adults and spooky children to play together. (laughs) And, uh, so it's meant to be played with kids. Um, it runs a little bit more like a board game. You, you have these characters that fill in sort of these, uh, niches. Like there's a, um, honestly, it's been so long. I can't remember what all the different characters, like there's an athlete and there's a, you know, like a, uh,
0: so stereotypical roles, the reason yeah. to kind of roll, but
1: yeah. And you've you've dared each other to spend the night in this haunted house. And then okay. you you enter this house, you you have like little tokens to represent your characters, and then each of these rooms has uh a couple cards in it, one card that is like a prompt, like something that could be spooky, um, or something scary that happens. And then another card is a object that can be found in that room. And okay. you have a Jenga tower and you go around and you just move your characters. There's rules about movement. And then you go, and I don't know what those are off the top of my head, but you you go into a room and the person on your left then picks up the card that's the prompt and yeah. narrates what happens into the room using that prompt. So and Okay. Then you have to pull to be brave enough to stay in the room. And if you don't, you go running out. And if there's someone else there, you tell them what happens. And they have to pull to stay brave enough to, to like calm you down. And it just kind of like cascades like that. And awesome. if the tower falls in this one, it's for kids. So we don't have any gory death or anything like that. Uh, what happens is you you run home, right? Like you're the one that runs you, out. You're the
0: first monster. to leave the house. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay.
1: And then we have a little deck of cards where you pull uh, the monster and you get to play the monster. So if you're the one that oh, ran okay. home, yeah. uh, you, you get to pick out what the the actual monster is and you go around trying to spook all the other kids. And that's generally how that game runs. It's fun. I'll tell you this. If you, if you want to scare yourself, play a horror game with kids like they, will, <laughs> they know how to scare you much better than you know how to scare anyone I guarantee it there's no one that knows how to scare someone as well as a kid knows how to scare someone
0: I bet um, kids love the idea of being the monster as well my niece yeah. I ran a game of um, hero quest a little retro game there for my nephew and niece and she was desperate to be the the game master. And she was like, "Can I be the bad guy, please? Can yeah. I run this?" And she's like seven, and she's like, "I, I'm made for this." Uh, so, I that. but yeah, I mean, when we, when I invited you on, I didn't think we'd be talking about dread for kids, but here we are, the yeah. horror <laughs> tense game for children. Uh, but I just, I just think that was great. So, thank you for for sharing that with us. Um, so, uh, I have, before we move on, I just have one more question about Dread uh, that we mm-hmm. will ask, uh, which is about what other mechanics uh, did you consider and discard before you settled on Jenga Tower?
1: Uh, I, so, uh, as far as, like, physical mechanics, Jenga Tower was, like, the first one that came to mind. Um, we, okay. we did have dice mechanics that went along with it that we abandoned mm-hmm. immediately much like that that 100 question questionnaire we I, we yeah. sat down to play it and i think i had like the dice were something that the host would roll to like inspire them or whatever
0: mm-hmm.
1: and i just forgot about the rules right away and then we just never played with those rules and it's so really like,
0: you don't need it i guess yeah they're
1: they're not necessary so we let those go uh, over the years i've done um, like i've played with a few like jenga uh similar ones we've played um tried it with uh is it called i think it's called like TikTok woodman or something like that it's like a okay. plastic tree that you're trying to knock apart a, like different Amilibrium. yeah that
0: that's one i i played it with i was going to grab it but it's a bit out of reach i'll have yeah. to run off the screen <laughs> uh, but it, yeah
1: is that like with a, a lot of colorful shapes that you have to like stack and make sure. These are
0: fall? like, they're almost like credit cards with four little holes in the sides and you build it up as you go. Oh, okay. um, so that that's, good. yeah, that works really well. But also, and we found that was less cleanup time because you're building it up and adding to it. And if it falls, cause it gets too many, then you don't have to rebuild the tower. So you don't have that time.
1: I saw one that was like, it was like the, these two circles uh, mm. that had screws in it. Like so, it looked like a, a torture device of some sort, uh, like they, that you would put over someone's head. But you put a balloon in it, and you blew up the <gasps> balloon, and yes. you start yeah cranking things down. I always wanted to play with that because that one, that one, like just watching people play that, I was. I think to sweat, yeah. my
0: group might have done that as well i know the thing you're talking about it's like got a blue balloon with like a face in it and like a red iron maiden style cage it looks <laughs> like where you <laughs>
1: yeah exactly
0: that is so tense because the the balloon's gonna burst and everyone yeah. hates that that's the most <laughs> upsetting thing that can ever happen is a balloon popping uh that's a really good yeah. i like that idea as well i i can not remember if my game did that with this group we definitely had that game for sure okay awesome well I believe we have talked about Dread sufficiently. Mm-hmm. Um, we've talked about some other games you do as well. So but that brings us to the topic of the week, uh, <laughs> which is about tr- creating tension in a horror game. So obviously, um, mechanically, Dread does that uh, with the Jenga Tower, but you said the book also has some hints and tips for setting the mood and, and how to run a, a game of that genre. Could you talk us through
1: yeah. how that's done? Um, right. So yes
0: <laughs> <laughs> how do we do a good let's, game tell us now i be now yeah
1: <laughs> um well okay so one of the wonderful advantages to dread is that the, the tower handles a lot of that okay. for you and so we were able to run it at conventions where we didn't have control over the atmosphere right like we would yes. we couldn't dim the lights because there's other people playing in the room we mm-hmm. couldn't you know play spooky music or uh and uh it, the tower really does go a long way to bringing everyone's focus in so that stuff doesn't yeah. distract from it. But if, mm-hmm. you, if you're if you playing at home, uh, mm-hmm. like uh, the first horror game that I ran where I remember like being like, I, it worked, I scared people. It was, it was years before Dread. We uh, Actually, the game was called Chill, uh, which okay. there's been a couple versions of it over the years or a few versions of it. This one was like in the uh 80s um i think mayfair was the publisher of it and uh i was playing in my basement my parents basement we had um uh like kind of a finished basement with a this really really bad red carpet uh like not like a very uh industrial carpet not a very yeah, uh, yeah. and uh, what i did is i just took all of the lamps we had and i set them on the floor and then we, so all of the light in the room was coming up from the ground and it was all yeah. kind of red because it was glowing off of the, yeah, you know, thing. and uh, we played late at night and uh, mm-hmm. it just, it basically had the feel of like the old, uh, you know, Bloody Mary where you, you, you're at a sleepover and you're like, yeah. okay, going to lock you in the bathroom. You're going to spin around three times and you're going to say Bloody Mary and look in the mirror. And it will like,
0: summon a demon.
1: Yeah, Exactly. Uh, and like, like it's, it's cheesy, but if you can create those atmospheres, if you can do it, people who wanted to, to do it will, will embrace that. They will get the chills. They will, you know, feel the, the, the fear that you don't, there's not a whole lot you have to do beyond that, right? Like you can, hmm. you can set up the atmosphere so that you're, you're ready to succeed, uh, yeah. at making, uh. Because a lot of horror is about getting people to scare themselves, right? Like, Yeah, uh, 100%. And so sometimes, like, it's just, it's not answering someone's question. Like, what do I see? And you're like, hmm
0: Yeah, I was just mm-hmm. going to say, I think there's so much in people will fill the worst case scenario in their mind if you, if you, yeah. if you give them nothing. Yeah. Um, so if you give them just a little bit of information, their mind will just run and, and fill in something more terrifying than you could ever, ever describe. So...
1: And like one, this is kind of a tip that kind of comes out a lot in just about any role playing it, but like keep in mind that you have more than your eyesight. There are five senses, you know, like um, when you hit on some of those other ones, those details feel realer sometimes because you're so used to just having what you see described to you. Like, Oh, there's someone over there. There's someone standing there. But if you're like, you walk into the room and the smell is such that you can actually taste copper in your mouth. Right. Like that, becomes a little more. There's
0: pennies everywhere. Is that why?
1: (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so, like those sorts of details help make things real and and um, and bring it out. Uh, Then there's there's other things too. um, When when we wrote, (laughs) it's funny because it's based. We wrote Dread in the early aughts, when um, sort of uh, before smartphones but when a lot of people had cell phones and so there was a like a a lot of concern I think spent I don't know how much of it comes out in the text but I know I was really concerned about like you got to make sure that people can't just call the police you know call for help like you can't just uh yeah that is an issue in
0: horror games it's like why are we here why haven't we just phoned the police and run away yeah right
1: and like in more modern times like I'm more modern horror like embraces that and does like interesting things with the phone and mm-hmm. like who you're contacting and whatever. But at the time I was like, You gotta make sure they're isolated and you gotta make sure they're, you know, because I mean, when you're when you're okay, so the horror genre is very broad. There's a, it's a huge yeah. umbrella. Yeah. It Covers a lot of things. And not only does it cover like a lot of sub genres and crossover genre and whatnot, but it also covers a lot of uh, media. Like uh, mm-hmm. horror movies play out differently than horror novels, which play out differently than short stories, than comic yeah. books. And role playing games have their own sort of uh, tropes and things that happen in it. And, uh, you know, we, when you confront a group of people with something scary and they're playing a role-playing game quite often they'll be like, well, let's figure this out. Let's, you know, let's come up with a good plan. Let's you know mm-hmm. make sure everyone's safe and let's exactly the things that people don't do in horror movies. Right. Like they, and which is fine. Like that's, that's a wonderful thing of the genre there, but uh, just be aware that that's going to happen and uh, be prepared for having to deal with that. Right. Like uh, yeah. having, um,
0: how can yeah. you just yeah disrupt that perfect plan? Yeah, I had um a friend of mine has um a game they run which is about uh, zombies uh, and it's a survival horror. And you're meant you're not meant to win and it's like, right. you know, you're just meant you're running around trying not to not be killed by zombies as normal people. And they so they noticed that in smaller groups, when they have like three or four people at the table, they tend to be more tactical. They do smart things. They, mm-hmm. They're like, okay, we'll go into the room in this formation and we'll check for zombies here and we'll do this. But when you have a table about six or seven, everyone gets into the B-movie horror of it, and they're like, oh, I run out the door screaming, you know, and do this. So when you have a larger table, sometimes people get more into the, I want to play their role of that horror trope. I'm going to choose to run up the stairs instead of out the front door when the killer's in the house. Like, (laughs) I don't know if the, I mean, it so depends on the table and the players you have, but I generally find the smaller groups tend to be a little bit more tactical. Like, we need to protect each other because there's a few of us, but in larger groups, they're a bit more like, ah, Let's just be silly and, like, die in this horror film, I don't know.
1: <laughs> and, and that brings up, like, a really good point, which is that you get your players on board. Like, they're there to work yeah. with you, not against mm-hmm. you. Like, uh, and you can get, uh, you know, we mentioned early on about, like, sharing secrets and things. And, and uh, like, the big reveal is fun. And, you know, yeah. there, there are times. Where, but, like, if you can get, if two players in a, are, like, Hey, let's have a situation where I, I'm going to completely, I'm going to be the person that rejects the plan every single time, but like you, I'm only going to reject it twice. And the third time I'm just going to go along with it and just know that. And we'll play that out every time. Yeah. Uh, and then it, it can be fun. Like it could be a lot of fun to, to have like, a, um, yeah. Once everyone's on board to do it, like, rather than like making it a, fire hose of horror coming from the GM at the play. <laughs> yeah. You just... I love
0: that a fire hose of horror. That's <laughs> a campaign setting right there. Yeah. I've heard one. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Well, that all sounds really great. Um I don't know think anyone no one on the comments chimed in with their kind of hints and tips for horror games so if if you have any now is the time uh, but we're coming up to the top of the hour, uh which is bringing us close to the end of the show. So if you do have any questions, now is the time uh you mm-hmm. will speak for now forever, hold your peace um I've put up a few places online so if people uh thought some of the games sounded interesting and and wanna to find you uh we've got your kind of links on here, so we've got you on Twitter. Uh, the website there. Is there anywhere else people should go and have a look, or does that does this uh, cover your online presence? That
1: well? generally covers my. Uh, I'm I'm on Facebook, but I'm so very rarely on Facebook. Uh, but uh, I I check Twitter m- most every day, and uh, the Dig a Thousand Holes is is my official site, in Worlds Without Masters, where I do my Sword and Sorcery magazine, and quite a few of my games are there as well.
0: Great. Okay, it sounds like we've got that sort of bit covered. Um, well, I think I've, we have no more questions here coming in that I can see. So they're holding their peace on it. They've had all their questions answered. There's nothing <laughs> more they need to know. They're all just going to go and buy it now uh, at the website that we said. So if you fancy getting yourself a copy, uh, yes. you can go here tilting at windmills.net forward slash buy stuff, uh, so please go do that, because the best way to support indie tabletop RPG publishers is to buy their things. Uh, the other way is to talk about it online and share it, which is what we're trying to do here. Um, so I want to say thank you so much, Abby, for coming on and talking about Dread. I'm excited to speak to you because I absolutely love the game. Uh, so this, uh, for everyone watching, I hope you enjoyed uh, our chat and talk today on Not D&D. Uh, <laughs> we are showing, again, uh, next week we are talking about another tabletop role-playing game that is Not D&D. We we have Matthew Dawkins coming on talking about the They Came From series. Uh, so another light-hearted and uh, cheery <laughs> kind of theme coming on. And the topic next week will be uh, about the role that crowdfunding's had in the indie tabletop RPG industry, uh, which I'm sure we could have talked about here as well. Um, but uh, I can see no more questions. For well, on that note, I think we will wave and say goodbye. So thank you very much, everybody. Thank you. Bye.